Good morning. Grateful for all of our guests and visitors today. Grateful for everybody being here. I'm grateful for a lot of things today. I am especially, hopefully always, first and foremost, grateful for what Jesus Christ has done for me. I appreciated the prayer around the communion table for what Christ has done for me and what I have for an eternal hope because of his blessed gift of his blood and, and showing me through the scriptures as he has to many of you what it takes to access that blood and, and to have my sins forgiven and, and to know that these things are written so that we can know that we have eternal life, 1 John 5, verses 11 through 13. I am so very, very grateful for that. Grateful for things in this life, so many. I'm grateful for one that among so many things that God has brought me here to Shoto to be a part of this body in this time in this place. And as I look out on the assembled saints this morning, as I look out on you who are so precious and, and special to me, I, I see yet another reason why I am grateful to be here in each and every one of you. And of course, that number obviously includes all of our young people all of our very faithful and wonderful young people that I am privileged to know in this congregation, some of the finest young folks that I have ever known in my life. And I'm grateful, as I said, for you. It is in that light that I will take just a minute and thank the elders for allowing me to go once a month to the Tri-State Youth Series. I know that that's kind of a a burden and, and all of that, but I appreciate your allowing me to go and to be more involved with these young folks' lives and to, to have a closer bond with them as, as they grow up, and I am so grateful for that, as well as the week to be at Green Valley Bible Camp and share their lives, and we get to share so many close moments down there, and I am, again, grateful. I'm grateful today that after fellowship dinner, we have the opportunity to honor two of the outstanding young people in this congregation and to celebrate once again this year their graduation. The incredible quality and work ethic of our young people in this congregation is evidenced in many ways, many, many different ways, not the least of which can be seen in the what has become the routine if you will, although it's not routine, but the routine regular graduation of valedictorians from this youth group year after year after year, and the tradition continues this year, as they say, and so grateful for that. But you know what I am more grateful for than our young people's graduation and all that they have accomplished? I am grateful for their faithfulness and their continuing commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so this morning, with today's graduation celebration looming this afternoon, I wanted to take this, this opportunity to, to not just speak to our graduates, but to all of our youth as they grow up and they grow forward into adulthood and far, far more importantly than that as they grow up and on into eternity in Christ Jesus. And we're going to do this with a sermon entitled, Keep Your Priorities Straight. 
keep your priorities straight. Now, as you're spelling that out, if you take notes, that's not plural. It's not keep your priorities straight. It's keep your priority straight. Because I want you to know this, I want you all to know this, but especially our young folks. And I want you to mark my words right now and I don't want you to ever forget them. Don't worry, Satan's not gonna let you forget them. No matter what you want to accomplish most in this life, no matter how hard you have worked or how hard you are prepared to work in order to accomplish that which you want most to accomplish most in this life. That is absolutely nothing by comparison to how much Satan wants and is willing to work and will stop at absolutely nothing in order to see that you do not make it to heaven. You can count on it. Satan will work so much harder to accomplish his goal than you ever could, to accomplish whatever yours may be. Satan will exhaust every effort, and, and those that have been in Christ for decades understand this, and I want for our youth to understand it too. Satan will exhaust every effort. He will offer every opportunity he will provide every diversion. He will provide every distraction. He will build up every wall. He will establish every obstacle and seek to provide you with every excuse and self-justification in his arsenal in order to stop you from continuing to study and to grow and to stay faithful to and obedient to the Lord God. He will. Won't he, church? You know this. That is why, young folks, you must keep your priority straight. This is why you must keep your priority God, period. No matter what else you hope to accomplish in life, because as Jesus said in Matthew 16 and verse 26, for what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world, and loses his own soul. What indeed? So this morning, I want to first look at three individuals, three young individuals, who had the opportunity in their life to get and to keep their priority straight, or to get and to keep their priority God. And let's see what they did with it. The first one I'm going to ask you to take a look at with me is Moses in Hebrews chapter 11. Would you turn there with me in your Bibles, please? And again, it's very important that you look in your Bibles and make sure that what you're hearing from me is what God said. I make mistakes, I don't always get things right, and I'm no authority on anything. God is the authority on everything. Christ has the authority in all things. Check out in his word to make sure that what you are hearing is what is said in the scriptures. Trust God, do not trust Doug. First young person we will look at who had an opportunity to keep his priority straight or keep his priority God was Moses. In Hebrews chapter 11, the writer begins in verse 24 by saying, by faith, Moses, 
When he became of age, you see, he's a young man, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. I want you to take a minute and consider with me the opportunities that were his as a grandson of Pharaoh in Egypt in that time. I want you to consider the opportunities that that, that, that that entailed, the riches, the riches of Egypt. He was a grandson of Pharaoh, adopted, but nonetheless. The opportunities he had for education and glamor and accomplishment and riches and notoriety and fame and all of those things. But scripture says in our reading that when he grew up, or when he became of age, whichever your version says, he made a decision to make God his priority and to keep God his priority, no matter the cost. Think of how that must have disappointed some of the people that he had previously known, the, the young ladies of Pharaoh's court or his adoptive mother. We don't think too much, we don't talk too much about his adoptive mother and, and how that must have hurt her that he was choosing God and God's people first and foremost over everything that she had to offer as a daughter of Pharaoh. But you know what? His decision to make God his priority and to keep God his priority for the rest of his life led to all the blessings that God gave him throughout the rest of his life as well as eternal life, we believe. How can you say Moses didn't make it, right? In verse 25 where I read, it says that he gave up the passing pleasures of sin. I don't want us to think so much and focus on the word sin, and, and I don't want us to think so much and focus on the word pleasures, but think about passing. What does that tell you? It tells you they were fleeting. It tells you they were only for a moment. He gave up the passing pleasures of sin for the lasting treasures of heaven. Think of the rich man in Lazarus and how when the rich man died, all of the stuff that he had and all of the goals he had accomplished didn't amount to anything in comparison. We think of what King Solomon said in Ecclesiastes 12 when he told us that the whole duty of man is to obey God and keep his commandments. Certainly if anybody knew what it meant to be rich and famous and have everything he ever wanted at his disposal, it was Solomon. And yet he said the whole duty of man is to obey God. How did Moses do it? Well, it tells us right there in verse 26. The same way that makes it possible for anybody else to. He looked to the lasting treasures of heaven instead of the passing pleasures of this world. Second one I'd like for us to think about who had the opportunity to make God his priority, to keep his priority straight or God, is a rich young man that we read about in both Matthew 19 and Mark 10. I'm going to ask you to turn to Mark 10 as I talk about him for a moment. We know that... I've got to stop. We assemble, we worship Christ, we worship God. We take a communion, and it's a joy. 
But can you imagine what it must have been like in that day and age to talk to Jesus? Wouldn't you have liked to have been able to talk to Jesus face? This young man got to talk to Jesus face to face. Just, just that in itself blows my mind about this. But anyway, moving on. We know that, and again, both Matthew and Mark tell the story, and I want you to mark because we're only going to spend a couple of verses that we read, but, but some background on this young man. Number one, we know he was a young man because the scripture tells us that in Matthew chapter 19, verses 20 and 22, twice, we're told he is a young man. We, knew that, we know that he grew up religious, or if I can use the term very loosely, in the church, so to speak, because... The scripture tells us that he had both known and kept God's commandments since his youth. Tells us that in Matthew 19, 20, and in Mark chapter 10, verses 19 through 20. We know that he was rich or had great possessions, according to Matthew 19, 22 and Mark 10, 22. And we know that he had a chance right then and right there as he talked to Jesus face to face. He had a chance to make up his mind to make God his priority in life, his only priority for the rest of his earthly life, thus giving him eternal life and a forever treasure in heaven. But he didn't. Look at verses 21 and 22 of Mark 10. Probably if I was in Mark 10, it would be a lot more make a lot more sense with what I'm going to read with what you've got in your Bible. There we go. Mark 10, 21 and 2. Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him. Jesus loved him. And he loved him enough to tell him what he was missing. And he said to him, one thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have, and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, take up the cross. Follow me. Scripture tells us he was sad at this word and went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. I feel bad for this young man. I feel bad for him. Can you imagine this poor fellow on, on Judgment Day showing up before God empty-handed? Maybe, I don't know how it's going to be set up on Judgment Day, but maybe seeing beyond the, the, the throne of judgment, maybe the treasures and the pleasures of, of heaven beyond that, and then him having to hear from Jesus, who still loved him, still loved him on Judgment Day. No, because you chose the treasures of heaven over the, the treasures of eternity, I, I, I can't let you go there. All because he loved the treasures of earth that were fleeting more than the treasures of heaven that were forever. He chose the gold of this world over the God of his word. He chose not to make and keep God his priority. Third person I'd like for us to look at is a young man named Saul of Tarsus. We know that he was a young man because the Bible tells us that in Acts chapter 7 and verse 58. Saul of Tarsus was a young man. He was raised with the best of educations, accomplished more than most any of his contemporaries, and was more zealous in his convictions than any one of his generation. How do we know that? Because the Bible says that. Acts chapter 22, verses 3 through 5, and Galatians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. By the way, if you're not taking notes, you say, I don't think that's in the Bible. Please, everything is recorded on our Facebook page. Go back and listen to the lesson again. 
But when Saul of Tarsus came face to face with the reality of who Jesus really was on the road to Damascus, Saul of Tarsus came to understand the worth of all of those other worldly accomplishments combined when compared with knowing God. It was the same Saul of Tarsus who would later write in Philippians 3, 4 through 12, if anyone thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I have more so. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, concerning the law of Pharisee. Folks, it didn't get any better than that. Concerning zeal, persecuting the church. He said, I'm willing to go out there and actually kill people for what I believe. You don't have a stronger conviction than that. Paul had that. Concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. He said, I was blameless when it came to the old law. Not many could make that claim. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted lost for Christ. What's Paul saying? Paul's not saying, please don't get the wrong impression here. Paul's not saying that those other things are not important. That, that's not what he's saying. What he's saying is, is that they're not important when it comes to comparing them to knowing Christ. That's what he's telling you. He goes on to say, yet indeed I count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ, be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him. Paul said, there is nothing I did that compares to knowing Jesus Christ. There's nothing that I had that compares to knowing Jesus Christ. Knowing him, he says, I want to know him in the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings. Being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection of the dead. Paul said, I don't care what it takes. I want to be resurrected and be in heaven. Nothing else compares to that. Nothing. Give it all up for that. How is he going to do that? Same way Moses did. By keeping his eyes on the eternal reward rather than those things in the world. My dad. I'll tell you about my dad. My dad served in the Navy in World War II in the Pacific. My dad took part in the Allied invasion of Okinawa. This was in the spring and early summer of 1945 when American troops invaded the 70-mile-long island held by the Japanese. The invasion of Okinawa was a very bloody, costly battle. It was the largest amphibious operation of the Pacific War, a bloody battle that claimed a total estimated 120,000 military, li 120, military lives. My dad was in that. My dad passed away on February the 1st, 2002, a little over 20 years ago. And in my brother's living room, my brother Dwayne, in his living room, this is hanging on the wall. And this details some of the accomplishments that my dad had, the ships he served on, the medals that he got and those sorts of things in that very, very bloody battle. Please excuse the reflection of the person taking the photos, the windows, it did happen sometimes, okay? 
my dad and men like him are one of the reasons that we can meet here today in safety in a free country. What my dad accomplished, as well as not just my dad, but all of them like him, what they accomplished cannot be, cannot be, be put into words that we're able to do what we're doing here today and, and so many other freedoms that we have. It's not that my dad's accomplishments were not noteworthy, heroic, that, that they were not incredible and important and productive, they were, but, but, but here's the point I wanna make today, brethren, everybody, here's the point. By comparison, two very important words, by comparison, what my dad accomplished in World War II, along with all the others that served, everything you see up there, by comparison, is nothing, and I say this with all the respect in the world, is nothing compared to what happened just a little over a half a century later in his life, when on January the 18th, 1999, my dad, as a result of hearing and being taught the gospel, repented and was baptized into Christ for the forgiveness of his sins and became a new creation and child of the living God. And if you think somehow that's not true, if you say, ah, I don't know if it's by comparison, this is nothing compared to that, let me put it in these terms. My dad having passed away at this point and gone on to the next phase of life, which do you think was more important to him right today? What you see here, or the fact that he was covered by the blood of Christ? End of discussion. And again, it's not that those things aren't important, but, but keeping your priority straight, keeping your priority God, keeping your mind on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of the throne of God, instead of, of keeping it on earthly things, is something that, that we all need to do. It's something without which we will not get into heaven despite anything we accomplish on this earth and in this lifetime. And so as I, as I got to thinking about this, and I, and I got to thinking about, about some of these things, I wanna just throw out that, that one of the things that is so beneficial to us and, and helps us so much with that, with staying committed and, and keeping God as our priority, is to submitting to the wisdom of God when it comes to whom we will choose to spend the rest of this life with. That's important. That is so important. When we choose who we are going to marry and spend the rest of our lives with, that has so much to do with keeping our priority God. Because you see, if you live a typical life expectancy, you are probably going to spend at least three times as long with your spouse as you have with your parents. You are going to spend probably a lot of that three times what you do with your parents, with your spouse, long after your parents and their influence is gone. This is something that God knew and knows, and God wants us to keep him as our priority for life. And so he has, from the very beginning, stressed this idea. You, you will recall as early as, as Deuteronomy chapter seven, God told his people through Moses not to intermarry with those who were not his people, and he even told them why. He said this in Deuteronomy seven, three and four. He says, 
Nor shall you make marriages with them. You shall not give your daughter to their son, nor take their daughter for your son, for they will turn your sons away from following me to serve other gods. So the anger of the Lord will be roused against you. He said, if you, if you do, they're going to turn your heart from following me. Probably the single, single greatest example of that, and the saddest, is found in another young man. Another young man who became king in his youth, and whom God had given more wisdom than anybody else alive. That's a lot of wisdom. But yet, even with all that wisdom, 1 Kings 3 and verse 12, he did not keep his priority straight. He did not keep his priority God. And he therefore incurred the wrath of God, which even he could not withstand. The man known as Solomon, turn to me to 1 Kings 11. 1 Kings 11. In verses 1 and 2, it says, But King Solomon, one of God's people under the old covenant, and you've got all of these other nations that were not God's people, but King Solomon, chapter 11 of 1 Kings, verse 1, loved many foreign women as well as the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians, and Hittites, from the nations of whom the Lord had said to the children of Israel, You shall not intermarry with them, nor they with you. Surely they will turn away your hearts after their gods. Solomon knew this. This was what the Bible said. This is what his Bible said. This is straight, straight out of Deuteronomy 7. Look at verse 4. For it was so when Solomon was old that his wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not loyal to the Lord his God, as was the heart of his father David. Look at verse 6. Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord and did not fully follow the Lord as did his father David. Finally, verses 9 and 10. So the Lord became angry with Solomon because his heart had turned from the Lord God of Israel who had appeared to him twice and had commanded him concerning this thing that he should not go after other gods. But he didn't keep what the Lord commanded. Now, I, I don't know what happened to Solomon. I don't. I know he didn't keep his priorities straight. Maybe he either thought he was rich enough or powerful enough or maybe even favored enough by God. Hey, he was the son of David, the man after God's own heart. Maybe he thought he was just favored enough that, he, that he'd get away with it. Maybe he thought he was smart enough, strong enough, or man enough not to fall for it. Maybe he just didn't think it could happen to him. Maybe he thought he was the exception to the rule, but, but he wasn't. The prophet Nehemiah would later write in Nehemiah 13, 23, that pagan women caused even him to sin, meaning Solomon. How many times do we see in the church our young people grow up and marry somebody who really wants nothing to do with the truth of the Bible and a few years later they're no longer here. God knows what he's talking about and that's why he gives us that same command again later on in 2 Corinthians 6.14 through 7.1 in a different form. Bottom line is this. There is nothing that will help you any more in keeping God your priority than spending your life with somebody who has the same priority. And it doesn't just mean someone who has submitted to baptism so that they can marry you. It takes a little more than baptism, doesn't it, to be a faithful child of God, church? It takes a little more than baptism to be a faithful child of God. It doesn't just mean somebody getting baptized so they can marry you. I, I appreciated Brother... Um, Brother Dan Jenkins' 
conclusion in the article that I put in this week's bulletin. Listen to what Dan Jenkins said. He said, both repentance and baptism are for the remission of sins. However, we often seek to get others to be baptized without first teaching them that immersion without repentance cannot save them. Is that true? Just simple baptism alone can't save, can it? It takes repent. It doesn't say repent and be baptized, every one of you. It does, yeah. Then he goes on to say this. He says, over the years, young women have said to their future mates, I will not marry you until you are baptized. The change those mates should first make is to repent, to change their lives for God. And I thought that was a good point. Your best shot at keeping God is your priority. Keep your priority God, keep your priority straight, is to spend your life with somebody who is as committed and devoted to going to heaven as you are, somebody that is as committed and devoted to taking you with them as you are taking them with you. Yes, I said that right. Just a few minutes. We're going to have the blessing, and it is a blessing. And we're going to have the privilege, and yes, it is a privilege. I use that word a lot, but this is a privilege. And the opportunity to go over to the fellowship hall, enjoy a meal and visit a little bit together, but more than that, much more than that, is then to celebrate. And it's going to be a celebration. To celebrate the outstanding accomplishments of our two latest graduates. They deserve it. And I'm so very grateful to God for them and to know both of them. To count them a brother and sister in Christ. They are both special. They are both wonderful young people. And they both work very hard to get where they are at. And so I will hope that if you can, that you will stay and that you will celebrate them with us. Yes, it's going to be a celebration. But, it comes that word in comparison again, or by comparison, but, of course, we well know that this celebration this afternoon here pales by comparison to that great celebration. That celebration to end all celebrations. That celebration when on Judgment Day we get to heaven. And that celebration when a person finally hears because they kept their priorities straight. They kept their priority God. They finally hear from Jesus. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Lord. That's going to be a celebration. That is going to be the celebration. That is going to make every other celebration combined that's ever happened pale in significance. You know why? Well, it's a lot of reasons. I'll give you just one because I don't want to take your whole afternoon when we got other things to do. I'll give you one reason. Because that celebration, that celebration is going to last for all eternity. Revelation 22, 1 through 5. And so this morning, if you're somebody here who's not yet repented and been born again of the water and the spirit, being immersed, as the scripture says in Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, repenting and being baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. We'd love to immerse you this morning. If you're somebody here this morning and you've, you've heard this message, you said, well, that doesn't sound right. I'm not sure that's scriptural. Please, let somebody know. Let's sit down and study. Let's sit down and talk. Let's sit down and, and not just talk about our opinion, your opinion, somebody else's opinion. Let's sit down and open God's word and see what it says. We'd love to do that with anybody who has any questions about anything.
They've heard or not heard this morning. That's what we're here for. But if you are somebody who has humbly submitted to the Lord and obeyed him and been born again of the water and the spirit for the forgiveness of your sins, maybe you're one of our older young people. Maybe somewhere along the line you have failed to keep God as your only priority in this life and, and you know he's not at the top of the list and you know he needs to be and you just need the prayers of the church in order to help you to do a better job of keeping him as your only priority in this life so that you can hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant and be with him throughout the entirety of the next one. We'll pray for you. If you would be baptized into Christ, if you'd like a Bible study, if you need the prayers of the church, if there's something that we can help you with right now, please make your way down here. We're not mind readers to the front while we stand and as we sing. <laughs>